National Broadcasting Company, in cooperation with the National Council of Catholic Men, presents The Holy Agony. Episode 4 The Woman Clothed with the Sun For the Feast of Our Lady's Assumption sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And being with child, she cried aloud in travail, and was in pain to give birth. And then another sign appeared in the heavens. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on its head were seven diadems. And its tail swept away a third of the stars and cast them down to the earth. And then the dragon stood before the woman, who was ready to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he may devour her son. She gave birth to a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod, and her son was taken up to God to sit on his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where God had prepared a place for her, that there she may be fed and taken care of, for 1260 days. Then a great battle broke out in heaven. Saint Michael and all the faithful angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and all the rebellious angels fought back. But they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And so the great dragon was cast out of the heavens, that old serpent who was called the devil, or Satan who seduces and deceives the world. He was cast down to the earth, and his fallen angels were thrown down with him. And then I heard a loud voice from heaven exclaim, Now have salvation and power come, the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ, because the accuser of our brethren has been cast out, who accuses them night and day before our God. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell therein. But woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in his great wrath, knowing that he is only but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he had been cast down to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given the great wings of an eagle, that she may fly away into the desert, unto the place prepared for her, away from the serpent, where she is taken care of for a time, and a time and a half. But then the serpent spewed forth out of his mouth a torrent of water, 
that the woman may be swept away in its current. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the flood of the dragon that he spewed forth from his mouth. And so the dragon was very angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep the commandments of God and bear witness to Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear children of America, be children of light. Walk away from sin. Please, children, many of you are in danger of losing heaven forever. There is no greater suffering than the loss of God. Prepare yourselves for eternal happiness. It had been twelve years since the resurrection and ascension of Christ, and the apostles were departed to distant lands, preaching the gospel 
Our Lady lived alone in a little house by Mount Sion. She was sixty years old, and her heart was overwhelmed with the desire to be with Jesus her son. She wept many tears of longing. An angel appeared to her, shining with light, and greeted her with honor, saying, All hail, blessed Mary! I bring to you a branch of palm from paradise, for in three days your soul shall depart from your body, and paradise shall receive you. Good lady, your son waits eagerly for you. To whom she answered, If it's true that I have found grace before your eyes, I beg that you grant this request, and bring to me my sons and brothers the apostles, that I may see them assembled before I die, and that they together may bury me. And also, I beg that as my spirit departs my flesh, I see not the wicked fiend, and no power of the devil come against me. The angel laughed and replied, Why do you fear the wicked spirit? Don't you know that you have already utterly crushed him and deprived him of all his power? Nevertheless, thy will be done, you will not see him, and I shall assemble all the apostles before you on this very day. With that, he departed to heaven with great speed and light, and the palm branch shone brilliantly like a shooting star. John was the first to arrive, having been conveyed there from Ephesus in a white cloud. He knocked at her door and greeted her honorably, and the virgin wept with tears of joy. Moments later, all the other apostles appeared. They looked around at one another in awe, and asked for what purpose had their Lord assembled them here. John explained that Mary was soon to pass and depart. Lamps and candles were lit. The apostles stayed at Mary's side all throughout the night. Then, a few hours before dawn, Jesus Christ arrived with his angels, singing sweet songs of praise. And he said to her, Come, my chosen, and I shall set you upon my throne, for I have greatly missed your beauty. And Our Lady answered, Sir, my heart is ready. And as the dawn broke, her soul departed her body and fled to the arms of her son. Then the Lord said to the apostles, Bring the body of this virgin, my mother, into the vale of Jehoshaphat, and lay her in a new grave that you will find there. Wait for me, and I shall return in three days. And with that, the angels adorned Our Lady with roses and lilies, and her soul was carried up to paradise in the arms of her Savior. As she departed, the apostles noticed that her soul was joined to his, and they were overcome and wept. Then they carried her body to the grave and waited, as Jesus had instructed them. On the third day, he arrived with a great multitude of angels and greeted the apostles, saying, Peace be with you. Then Michael the archangel stepped forward and presented Mary's soul to our Lord, who said to her, Rise up, my dove, tabernacle of glory, vessel of life, temple celestial. You shall not suffer the corruption of the body in the grave. And her soul came again into her body, which issued gloriously out of the tomb, and she was received body and soul into the heavenly chamber. My daughter was born on the Feast of the Annunciation. When we commemorate a vision Mary had while she was preparing to visit her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth was, was herself pregnant, and an angel came and announced to Mary that she was pregnant with Jesus. Hence the Annunciation announced. My daughter's middle name is Elizabeth after her aunt. Her aunt announced that she was pregnant to her boyfriend at the time, not realizing that she was his side girl. He responded by murdering her, killed her and the baby. We didn't think about this connection when we chose the middle name Elizabeth. I guess you could call it a coincidence. Years later, we were on vacation in Florida. Then there was a day when it was particularly rainy you couldn't really enjoy the beach or anything outside. And we had these gift cards for one of those arcade places like Dave and Buster's or something that we had never used and there was one near us in Florida and we decided to go there. You know, every kid had a gift card worth maybe, you know, it was like a hundred tokens or whatever they use there. And so we give one to each kid. 
and my daughter, for whatever reason, gets it in her head to spend all of her tokens on this kind of roulette wheel game that would award you tickets for prizes. And her goal was, she figured that, statistically speaking, if she used all of her tickets, she had good odds of winning the grand prize, which would let her get, win a lava lamp. I don't know why she wanted a lava lamp. So, anyway, she just starts putting every single token she owns into this machine, and she gets about halfway, and not only has she not hit the jackpot, but she's won nothing. She's losing at an almost statistically impossible rate. She starts doing all these superstitious things, crossing her fingers, rubbing a rabbit's foot and all this nonsense. And, you know, eventually we get to the point she spent 99 of them and she has exactly one token left. She hasn't won a damn thing. And she tells me that she's about to put her last token in. And so we had recently started going back to church. My daughter was older, and so she hadn't bought in as much as the younger kids if she'd been raised outside of it. And so I told her, you know, maybe I don't even know how serious I was because I don't, ex I don't think a prayer is like a free ticket. But I told her to, to say a Hail Mary with me instead of doing superstitious luck stuff. And so she did. She put the token in. She pushed the button, and she won the jackpot. She got her lava lamp. Anyways, that's my miracle. Some people might call it a coincidence, but I don't. Our age of carnality, which loves the body beautiful, is lifted out of its despair to a body that is beautiful because it is a temple of God, a gate through which the word of heaven passed to earth, a tower of ivory up which climbed divine love to kiss upon the lips of his mother a mystic rose. With one stroke of an infallible dogmatic pen, the church lifts the sacredness of love out of sex without denying the role of the body in love. Here is one body that reflects in its uncounted hues the creative love of God. To a world that worships the body, the church now says, there are two bodies in heaven, one the glorified human nature of Jesus, the other the assumed human nature of Mary. Love is the secret of the ascension of one and of the assumption of the other, for love craves unity with its beloved. The Son returns to the Father in the unity of divine nature, and Mary returns to Jesus in the unity of human nature. Her nuptial flight is the event to which our whole generation moves. This call is now being recorded. Yeah, the town I grew up in is called Sunville. 
the state of Sharat in the western part of France. Um, ancient, ancient church goes back to uh, the 16th and 17th century. Um, the, um, the bell, uh, both two bells, were uh, uh, found right after the uh, Second War in Italy. They have been taken by the Nazi and found in Italy and returned. That's very important for us in our little town because this church is extremely ancient and is on the, uh, the books of the history of uh, this part of town. Um, as far as the uh, assumption, it's feasted the assumptions. Always been, in my view, absolutely wonderful to honor the Blessed Mother, the Mother of Jesus Christ, who was so dedicated and so dear and, and so almost perfect. Perhaps she was altogether perfect. But what was absolutely great was the, uh, the preparation for this. Our family, I invited uh, um, loved ones to come and friends and for a wonderful dinner. And it was a uh, procession in the town. And us little girls were dressed in white dresses, of course. And uh, my mother had a beautiful uh, white rose, uh, climbing roses on a, on a trellis, and to provide enough to make probably about uh, at least six or eight white uh, wreath roses that we uh, offer to the Blessed Mother, us little girls. And of course, uh, we got a little older, we rehearsed some wonderful, wonderful music and sang away and in a procession we started to sing and we always prayed so hard that it would be no rain at all that day and um, I remember once a little vague in my mind that uh, uh, two men were carrying um, somebody inside a little kiosk uh, made of wood and that was to uh, to remember the Blessed Mother who was being elevated up in heaven, but even though someone else was inside the kiosk, it was for her memory. And the uh, assumption is definitely dawn of her and her only. That, that is my memory. And uh, uh, we, uh, we walk in a church and take our place. And of course, you know, uh, the excitement was absolutely wonderful when you're a young child. And that's that I will never forget.
Well, uh, I think from the beginning I learned what is to love Our Lady and to be devoted to her. And I can say that she is very near to me, still now. Oh, 
get rid of Mary, and you'll get rid of Washington, and you'll get rid of London and Paris and Moscow, and you'll get rid of every other capital in the world, and yes, you will have the desegregation of mankind, but all of us will sink down to the lowest level of animality and slavery and lust and death. Everlasting death. Do not be ashamed, therefore, to say your beads. Do not be ashamed, therefore, to say proudly, without Mary there is no Christ in the past, and without Mary there is no Christ in the future. Do not be ashamed to elevate the queen to the altars of your home as Christ elevated her to be queen of the angels and saints in heaven. God bless America, the first country in the world to be dedicated to the Immaculate Conception. God bless America, we keep the nation strong Keep it strong only by keeping the families within it strong, and the families in it can only be kept strong by keeping Mary the model of Christianity in the hearts of the children, in the hearts of the parents, in the hearts of the homes. God bless you today and forever. Thank you. sister was about three months old. She went to sleep one night. She never woke up. My mom found her in the crib in the morning. It was too late to do anything. No one could ever really explain what happened. I don't remember this, but she told me that when I was born a little bit later, every month on the anniversary of my, my birthday, she would pick me up and she would sing happy birthday to me. She did this every month until I turned two. Years later, when I was in jail, she used to visit me once a month on the date of my birthday. And that's when she told me this story.
me how to pray. God was just your little boy. Tell me what to say. Did you lift him up sometimes, gently on your knee? Did you sing to him the way Mother does to me? Did you ever try telling him stories of the world? And, oh, did he cry? When I was a little girl, my family went to the ocean in September. We met some families by the sea to celebrate a pagan ritual for the autumn equinox. The water was slate blue and the sky was deep gray. The other children and I ran up and down the beach, dragging handmade broomsticks through the sand. The women taught us a song to sing about the goddess. It was supposed to be beautiful, but was very sad. I remember looking out of the car window as we drove home, the rain beginning to fall, and thinking about how hungry and impersonal the ocean, the goddess, and the sky all seemed. We worshipped this goddess who cared nothing for our souls but was hungry for our lives. Things were born, they ate, they reproduced, and they died, and our ashes returned to the ocean to glorify a goddess who was merciless, utterly unconcerned for the conscious, suffering souls. We walked through our Hungarian Catholic neighborhood and learned not to see the garden statues of the Blessed Virgin. It became clear as I grew up that the serene and gentle woman was an affront to the feminist worldview. The priestess makes an idol out of her sexuality, and this Mary was portrayed as a rebuke. The pagan myths of Avalon, which was like holy scripture to us, made this even more apparent. Sexuality was power, real world power. Mary's power came from a loss of power. Her femininity rose above the devouring temple. In suffering and in obedience came grace. But what does real world power know of grace? What does it know of hope? It knew only the cycle of be born, eat, reproduce, die, and was insulted at the prospect of not worshipping this cycle, of not seeking to be its master, before being consumed by the goddess in its own turn. When I was 18, my father took me to a used bookstore in an outlet mall on a bright mid-August day, around the time of the Feast of the Assumption. The sky was blue, far away, and clear. On the bookshelf was a copy of At the Back of the North Wind by George MacDonald. I bought it and read it that night. At the center of the fairy tale is North Wind, who is a woman, who is merciful, who sees the cycles of life and mourns. It was very different than the female archetype that I was uncomfortably immersed in. After this, I began to hunt for McDonald books. It was not the time of ubiquitous instant Amazon ordering, and so it was hard. But eventually I found Fantasties, and The Princess and the Goblin, The Princess and Curdie, and eventually Lilith. In all of his books is a supernatural female figure. MacDonald, who is both C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien's storytelling model, never directly preaches to the reader about Christ. He has other books for this. But in his fairy tales, this woman emerges over and over, a Marian figure. She comes in and out of the world, a bit like Gandalf in The Hobbit, guiding and loving. For years, I wrestled with Christianity, and in my own sin and disorder, I rationalized my hesitancy in a milieu hostile to faith. Mainly, though, I was interested in legalistic theology, in Christ and the Holy Spirit, but didn't understand Mary at all, and I wasn't particularly attempting to do so. Residues of childhood religion remained. I returned to George MacDonald over and over as the world disappointed, and in my cycle of defeats began to see where Lilith ended and what Mary promised instead. And then I began to look much harder at her life. She had left the world a long time ago, fallen asleep, they said, and yet she was perpetually intercessing for us. She was and is the first new person, the person we're called to be. She wasn't a faceless cycle, but a particular person, and in turn she treated each of us as particular, irreplaceable. Each Marian statue is not an interchangeable part from a monolithic factory. Each one belonged or belongs to a particular man or woman who was dear to Mary, 
who covered that statue in their own particular prayers. Though there was no Marian statue in my nomadic life, the feeling became clear that she was waiting for me as well. I began to pray the rosary just to see, and Mary took it from there. To pray to her was to join together my heart and head. Both had wanted faith, but neither could do it alone. She knitted them back together, and soon after, I was baptized and received into the Catholic Church. Over a decade of longing hadn't done it. It was Mary. On the Feast of Her Assumption, I remember the ancient prayer to her. Under your patronage, we take refuge, Holy Mother of God. Our petitions do not despise necessities, but of all dangers deliver us always, glorious virgin and blessed. This is what the narrator, who is in some sense the reader of George MacDonald's Fantasties Things at the end of the book. When the thought of the blessedness I experienced after my death in fairyland is too high for me to lay hold upon it and hope in it, I often think of the wise woman in the cottage and of her solemn assurance that she knew something too good to be told. When I am oppressed by any sorrow or real perplexity, I often feel as if I had only left her cottage for a time and would soon return out of the vision into it again. And a bit later he says, As I lay with my eyes closed, I began to listen to the sound of the leaves overhead. At first they made sweet inarticulate music alone, but by and by the sound seemed to begin to take shape and to be gradually molding itself into words, till at last I seemed able to distinguish these half-dissolved in a little ocean of circumfluent tones. A great good is coming, is coming, is coming to thee. And so over and over again. I fancied that the sound reminded me of the voice of the ancient woman. I opened my eyes and for a moment almost believed I saw her face with its many wrinkles and its young eyes looking at me from between two hoary branches of the beech overhead. But when I looked more keenly, I saw only twigs and leaves and the infinite sky in tiny spots gazing through between. Yet I know that good is coming to me, that good is always coming, though few have at all times the simplicity and the courage to believe it. Mary believe it. She knew that good is coming, that there will be suffering as well, but that good is coming. She was assumed into heaven, but is looking at us through the beech trees. On the feast of her assumption, we can imagine her praying for us now, saying to us over and over again, a great good is coming to thee, a great good is coming to thee. Can we hear her?
lights up a fire underneath you It cleans out the filth from your eyes And someday you'll have little left And then I'm sure you won't regret That it saved you in time When love got in the way It stripped me down gets in the way It forces your body to change And all of my petty dreams compared to the real thing Getting further and further away When Holy Mary assumed bodily into heaven, from whom our Lord received his body. Heavenly Mother of all who are incorporated into the body of Christ, riding on a chariot of clouds, surrounded by a troop of curly-haired baby angels, wearing a heavy gold crown with all sorts of jewels, a scepter in one hand and the world in another with a halo of twelve stars, the twelve best stars of the night sky, sitting on a throne with feet resting upon a crescent moon, wearing slippers covered in diamonds and a diamond necklace too, flowing gowns embroidered in gold and silk ribbons in your hair, infinite eyes and compassionate smile, great for us.
The assumption, an answer. Before Earth saw him, she had felt and known the small soft feet that thrust like buds in spring. The body of our Lord was all her own once. From the cross, her arms received her king. Think you that she who bore him on her breast had not the word still living in her heart? Or that, because one voice had called her blessed, her inmost soul had lost the better part? Henceforth all generations, ah, but that, you think was an ancient song she knew. Millions this night will sing Magnificat and bring at least one strange prediction true. Think you his heaven, the deep transcendent state, floats like Marillo's picture in the air, or that her life so heavenly consecrate had no essential habitation there? Think you he looked upon her dying face and throned above his burning seraphim, felt no especial tenderness or grace for her whose lifeblood once had throbbed in him? 
Proof of his filial love, his body on earth still lives and breathes, and tells us night and day that earth and heaven were mingled in his birth through her who kneels beside us when we pray. Kneels to the word made flesh, her living faith, kneels to incarnate love, not lent but given, assumed to her on earth and after death, assuming her to his own heart in heaven.